Hey guys, this is Justin. And this is Katie. And we're back with Killers All Around Us. And today, I'm going to tell you the tragic murder of Jonathan Armorall. Cool, I'm so ready. Let's hear about it. You got anything you want to talk about before we get into the case today? Maybe throw out your Facebook for those Muncie locals. Yeah, so you guys, if you didn't know, I actually, I love to do um, chocolate-covered strawberries and a lot of other things like that. So if you guys are in the um, local area of Muncie, um, please look up my Facebook. It's KD's, um, KD's Delights. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll put the information out there, too, so you guys can kind of follow that. But, yeah, I'd love your support in that as well. So Definitely. So, today's case, like I said, we're discussing the tragic murder of Jonathan Armoral. Jonathan was 25 years old. He was born in Range, Rangeley, Maine, on January 27th, 1995. 95? So, whoa. He was... Young. Pretty young. He's yeah. like 25 years old. Wow. Okay. Pretty young. He was uh, the son of Kenneth and Justine Armoral, and they actually were in, lived in Milford, Maine. Um, John was raised, and he went to the school actually in Milford and graduated from Milford High School with the class of 2013. Wow, I graduated in 12. So right. That's why wow. I figured you'd like that. He was actually the captain of the indoor and the outdoor track and cross-country teams. For why? No. He graduated with honors from Rochester Institute of Technology in 2018 with a Bachelor of Science in, in Biomedical Engineering. Wow, so he was a smart guy. Right. That's awful. So, you know, he actually worked as um, a biomedical manufacturing engineer for a company named Telefax in Jaffrey uh, for years actually for several years and he was a member of the order of the engineers okay so he was you know a pretty decorated you know he had the accolades yeah, he had accolades degrees. you know he he was you know sounds like a smart guy and he was young you know he, he, yeah he had, a, he had a lot to go I mean a lot going for him. Mm -hmm. He loved spending time outdoors, you know, whether it was hiking, snowmobiling, skiing, or riding an ATV. He was just such an active member um, of, like, the region's hiking community. He, you know, loved sharing advice and stories from his endeavors on social media. He had actually climbed 66 of the region's 67 mountains that are over 4,000 feet, including all 48 in New Hampshire which where he lived was New Hampshire now. That is so, nice. Whoa. 67? 66 out of 67. Ooh. So all but one, basically. Wow. In addition, you know, like to the hiking, he has actually hiked to 100 highest peaks in New England. So he was pretty adventurous. Yeah, I'd say. And he was actually an avid sports enthusiast, and he especially loved the Red Sox. Uh, he was... A big fan of the Bruins, the Celtics, and the New England Patriots. Okay. John enjoyed volunteering during high school at Sugan Valley Boys and Girls Club. So he was involved. Yeah, hopefully I said that right. I'm sure people will correct me if I don't. But and actually, he was twice a, he was twice awarded the White House Youth Volunteer of the Year by President Bush and President Obama. Wow. So, like, oh this guy. Oh, my gosh. Right? Why, why, why do we even let him get around somebody that was going to kill him? <laughs> like, what? what the hell? But let's fast forward to, you know, Monday, actually, of September 21st, 2020. He, John was reported missing by his mother after his loved ones had not heard from him since Saturday, September 19th last year. So... You know, it was like two days that it went by. You know, nobody heard from him, so she started to get worried. Say that day one more time. John was reported missing by his mother on September 21st, 
after no one had heard from him since Saturday of September 19th. Mm. You want me to say that's our anniversary? Yeah. <laughs> you could have said it, I'm sure. I know that's our anniversary. I, kept I mean, think- I guess the year is not I, correct. I kept I thinking about it every time I kept typing out September 19th. So Yeah, ours, our anniversary date is September 19th, 2015, but you know it's one of them dates that just... Nine nineteen, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyways, go you ahead. You just realized. I like I said, I I've seen it every time, every time, and I thought about what we did on our anniversary. We went to top golf and stuff. Yep. So you know, I thought about everything we yeah. did last year. Um, but let me go back here. So you know, since like I said, Saturday, September nineteenth, and with him being such an experienced hiker, so it wasn't really out of the nor- ordinary for him to be unreachable for a period of time while he's hiking. But for a whole two days, you yes, know, that that's more. an extended period of time. You don't really go hiking for, well, I mean, people do, but like unreachable for days like that, that's not normal, I feel like. Not for this day, I mean, day and age. No. Yeah, no. So his mother, Justine, became alarmed when she realized, actually, um, when she realized that all his hiking gear was still at home. So clearly he had returned since his Saturday hike. But she really, you know, had a terrible realization that Monday morning something bad had happened to him when he did not show up for work, nor did he call in that day. So officers performed a welfare check. Words, man. Mm -hmm. Officers performed a welfare check at his residence and were unable to locate him um, or his gray Subaru. So, like, what the fuck? You know, right. like where, the where fuck, is he? Where the fuck's Jonathan? Right. This makes officers reach out to like Telefax Medical um, in Jaffrey. So like, you know, basically his job and then as well his um, like medical facilities as well. But like, so when he when they reached out to his job, they uh, actually found out that him and another close coworker had not come into work that day. The co-worker's name was Brittany Barron. Wow, that's scary. <laughs> Officers were told Brittany did in fact call into Human Resources that morning to tell them that she would not be coming to work. And in fact, she was quitting her job. Officers were also, um, they also reported that they were told by whomever answered the phone on that day and I guess decided to spill the tea. Mm-hmm. That Jonathan and Brittany may have been in a relationship Ooh. with each other, despite Brittany's marital status. Okay. So everybody, so I guess, she, she knew. She called in though, supposedly. Right. She called in and said that she quit, and basically she was never coming back. Okay. Weird. So, clearly, the next stop was officers were going to make was to his quote close co-workers home. Right. So, um, Brittany. You know, they go to Brittany Barron's home. They find her mother-in-law, who actually um, told investigators that she stayed home watching the child while Brittany and her husband, Armando, were hiking in northern New Hampshire. So she was just like, yeah, I mean... I'm here with the kids, and just, they're they're gone hiking. Okay. Police report uh, actually at about 1020 on Monday the 21st. Officers later saw saw Armando Barron parked at a home and stopped him to ask him some questions. He actually was uh, driving his mother's boyfriend's Jeep Patriot. Okay. So he wasn't even driving his own car. He was driving his mother's boyfriend's car. Good job. That That's what you should be doing. The officers uh, clearly were aware of, you know, the missing persons report and Jonathan's mo- that Jonathan's mother had filed and asked where Armando's wife Brittany was. Armando stated that Brittany had gone camping actually with friends. He told officers that he dropped her off on the side of the fucking road in the overnight hours on Saturday the 19th, going into Sunday. Why? So so he said he dropped her off on the side of the fucking road so she could go hiking. In the middle of the night. Does that even sound... Like, like you something ask. you would do to your wife, or you would ask, and th- and then he said basically after dropping Brittany off, he claimed that he quote was feeling down over the status of their marriage and drove around alone. So he didn't want to go home basically because you know 
his child was home in his current state, so he told officers he drove from uh, where he dropped her off to Arrow, New Hampshire, and actually just turned around and went back home. So, this was reported to in the police. This was (laughs) reported to police. Uh, the affidavit actually, you know, I, I, the Google most efficient route, like I looked into the affidavit there, they had it Googled. The most efficient route was 193 miles estimated to be three hours and 38 minutes. Oh, okay. So you one just, way. So you was just like, oh, I'm going to drive six hours on the road for no fucking For reason. no reason. No one believes that Armando. Armando told also told police that he had been talking to Brittany on and off uh, Sunday morning until 7 a.m. when she told him to stop texting her and stop calling her. So. Okay. The story, I mean, I, I feel like it's sounding a little fishy here. So I don't believe him. So your wife has a boyfriend who's missing. Right. Your wife's missing. And you're the only one around. And you're not in your car. Yeah. It's looking like you. Some things are not adding up in my book, but I don't know. Armando. Come on, man. So, officers then contact Brittany's friends to find out, you know, if they had heard anything from her. One of her friends shows her text messages that she received from Brittany actually between 11 a.m. on Sunday and 4 p.m. on Monday. These text messages show Brittany acting a little strange, honestly, in my opinion, because she made statements saying that she would not be able to see her children anytime soon, that she was starting a new job and heading over to New Mexico where her sister lived. Okay, but like, why would she just leave her kids? Like, I don't believe that. Like, I mean, I know some people might do that, but was that in her character? Like, I just, that's the questions I would ask. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't think so. You know, I don't think that would be something that she would have done. Right. Other messages explained how Brittany and Jonathan could not see each other anymore. So her and her boyfriend, you know, basically she couldn't see each other anymore is what they were getting out of the messages. And also how she would be taking a break from her husband, Armando. But Brittany would not tell them where she was. Mm-hmm. So she told them all of this business. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I'm she... taking a break from my boyfriend. I'm taking a break from my husband. I'm leaving. But I'm not going to tell you where I'm at. Okay, devil's advocate. Okay, I mean, it could be possible. Maybe she doesn't want people to know where she's at, but they don't. she don't want them to be worried. I'm with you. You know, she's I'm like, hey, you. I'm good. Don't freak out. But like... I'm gone for a little bit. Like, I'll be back. Yeah, some people need that time, I guess, but and maybe didn't can't relate. But no, but I'm saying it's still super weird. I mean, I, if, I would hope she wouldn't just leave her kids like that. But. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But on Tuesday, September 22nd, police attempted to locate both John and Brittany by tracking their cell phones Ooh, good under an extingent circumstance. I think I said that right. Extingent? I don't know. What does Sorry. that mean? Like a, a extraneous circumstance. Okay, okay. So, the records show Jonathan's device was in the Keene area on Saturday until 11 to 11.15 when the device started moving towards the Jaffrey area. The records also showed that his device began using a, a tower in Jaffrey at about 11.30 p.m. that day, that evening. The tower actually services multiple locations in that area, including the Barron residence on Main Street. But it also serviced their work, Telefax. So it yeah. was a pretty big area, I guess it might have covered. But it, So it's hard to kind of really pinpoint that. Yeah, but it serviced their home too, the Barron home. Ugh. Where that message, where his phone was popping up at. So, I don't know. Freaky. The phone records also showed that his device did not connect to any other towers after that. But did show his last data hit being around 2.52 on Tuesday, September 22nd. Ooh, so a while later. Right. Did they not realize? Or, like, I don't know. Well, 
I mean, they that's just what they had from right. the record. Right. Brit, uh, was Britney's call records, police were able to find out, you know, her device was in the Temple Mountain area on Saturday the 19th at around 945. Okay. Her phone began to use the same Jaffrey cell tower around 10 p.m. So from here, both devices were kind of moving in tandem on, on that evening around the 1140 to about 153 a.m. So we could assume that they were together. The phones were in the same vicinity, okay. right. When Jonathan's phone stopped communicating with the cell tower, Brittany's phone goes on to remain using that same cell tower until 3.30 a.m. Her device began moving north. Her phone began using a tower in Errol around 7.30 a.m. and again about 9.17 p.m. on Sunday the 20th. Okay. So I know I've thrown a lot out there, but... Yeah, I'm trying to follow here. On Monday, 10.35 a.m., you using a cell tower actually in Dixon Notch and the Colebrook areas... Her phone lastly showed in the Errol area again. So it's kind of jumped around mm-hmm. and it's gone back to this Errol area. It says about 12.05 afternoon. Okay. Until it stopped responding until at 5.55 p.m. And that was on Monday, the right. 21st. Was Cor- the last day. Correct. Wow. So... On Tuesday, you know, like that, like I said, the police were looking on Tuesday, the 22nd. Uh-huh. Um, some hunters actually were out in the woods, you know, doing what they do, hunting. Hunting up. Right. Which is weird, but we won't go there. All right, I'm not going to get my hand on it. When they stumble across, like, an unauthorized campsite, and obviously they call it in because, you know, how do they know it's an unauthorized campsite? I don't fucking know, but they yeah, knew. Sign unauthorized. Right, it had a huge sign over it, I guess. <laughs> no, I don't know. I guess they write the permits. Who knows? <laughs> the two New Hampshire um, fish and game officers, actually, that came out, they approached the campsite, and they find a dog barking at them. Brittany emerged, actually, from a path uh, to quiet the dog. They immediately see she has a gun hanging out of her pouch around her waist. The con- uh, conservation officers tell Brittany... You know, she's got to pack it up. That she's been trespassing, and basically, it's unlawful for her to camp here. Ooh. So she starts packing up her things, exits the campsite t- towards the conservation officer's car. Okay. That's when Brittany starts, you know, getting a little weird. So she says to officers, "Quote: I'm in big trouble." As they were walking. <laughs> Yeah, like <laughs> like the uh, chills I had thinking, like walking back with her. Like, then Brittany tells officers that I would have to stop and be like, "What do you mean?" Like, like right there, like, "Can you stop?" You, what do you mean, ma'am? You, that's why we're helping. You're you. in big trouble. Uh, throw up. <sighs> then Brittany tells officers that she forgets the pet carrier for the dog. You know, basically. Making the officers return to the campsite. When the officers... While she was still there, like with the car, the officer's car, like she, did she go back to the campsite with them? So, while the officers were returning to the campsite, they then noticed, to the left, actually, it was a tent. I'm sorry, to the left of the tent was something covered by a brown tarp. The tarp had sticks and branches on it in an attempt to hide something. Then the officers start looking around more and they see drag marks in the mud. Our cat, he's making an appearance for you guys. (laughs) So... They examine further, like I said, um, some more, because, you know, drag marks are something you just motherfucking find normally. They examine some more. One of the officers look up, looks up, actually, and saw another object wrapped in a tarp. And this was actually bound um, together, and it was in a small brook. So, like, that kind of down in, like, mm-hmm, a, you kinda, know. Yeah. Drug off somewhere, basically. Right. 
This object appeared to officers to be in the shape of a body. Ugh, I've got like full body shoes. So officers, you know, they lift the first brown tarp and discover a gray Subaru Impreza. Oh no. The car was mostly empty. It contained a camping chair with some brown staining that appeared to be blood. Is Jonathan's car? Aww. Also, troopers noticed a sizable amount of blood on the tailgate that appeared as if something had been pulled out of the back. So body back there, pulled out. After, after running the license plate, police confirmed this is in fact Jonathan's missing car. Officers detained Brittany, I mean, because where's Jonathan? And this looks pretty sus, yeah. sis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So until, you know, the New Hampshire State Police Troopers arrive on the scene to secure the scene, because, again, those were just conservation officers. Um, they, like I said, detained Brittany. And then, you know, a medical examiner comes out to determine the condition of what they believe to be a body, because, you know, they couldn't just disturbed the scene so they waited for a corner while unwrapping the tarp one of the troopers claimed that he saw a pool of blood pour from the from the water into the brook like out of the tarp just uh, poured uh, out of it ooh, oh my god ooh, while medical examiners were removing the top layer of the tarp the trooper reportedly noticed right away that the head had been removed from the body. I don't even, I'm speechless, keep going. While on the scene, the Emmy noted that it appeared the head had been removed with a saw-like blade. The medical examiner also noted that the hands were not tied to the top of the torso, but it was wrapped in a blanket under the tarp. The medical examiner also identified puncture wounds in the victim's left hand and wrist, but could not determine whether it was pre-mortem or po post-mortem, but said it could have been consistent with defense wounds or from a fall. Hmm. So, Maybe. obviously on September 22nd, they Mirandized Brittany she was going to be arrested, obviously. They found a whole body where you were, ma'am. She's going to be... She's in big trouble, like right. she said. <laughs> she's in big trouble. She she's, she said the right words. Because, like, yes, ma'am, you are. I want to know, though, like, is Armando involved in this? Like, I've got questions. So, after being Mirandized Brittany, she was interviewed by police from the New Hampshire State Major Crimes Unit um, at the Berlin Police Department. And... Gave a wild account of the past few days. Oh, I bet she did. A fucking wild one. <laughs> I'm ready to hear it. She told police, Armando, her husband. I knew it. Went through her cell phone and discovered the affair Brittany was having with Jonathan. This fucking enraged Armando. And he confronted Brittany about the affair and fucking beat the shit out of her in the bathroom of their home. She suffered multiple injuries to her eyes her nose she was bleeding you know profusely from the assault Brittany then says Armando took her to the bed and continued beating her in the face and even goes as far as to the point of putting a fucking gun in her mouth wow I wonder I mean was I wonder if the abuse was like normal all the time yeah, or like if that there. was just the one up I don't know I mean cause that I mean I've heard of situations where that would be your breaking point just be a one up you know uh -huh. that might have happened because of chain of reactions right I mean I'm with you but or it could be you know that's the type of common, situation common, that she, yeah. she was dealing with I mean I don't know that right. it didn't, she didn't say that was something that she normally okay. dealt with so this is just her account of that night. Sure. Okay. So, you know, Brittany also claims that Armando choked her to the point of where she even passed out. Damn. And somehow, you know, during all of this scuffle, he chips one of her teeth. Oh. 
awful. Brittany tells police she saw her nine-year-old daughter who recognized, you know, she clearly had been assaulted uh, and tried to communicate with her daughter. Brittany tried to tell her non-verbally, basically, that she was in danger and believed, you know, her daughter recognized what she was trying to tell her. Well, yeah, she was nine. I, I hope you would. Laprie's like freaking five and she would know. Right. So, she goes on to give the accounts of what happened. In the late hours of September 19th into the 20th, Brittany claimed her husband Armando used her phone, pretending to be Brittany. She, and he messaged Jonathan in order to lure him and meet him. They agreed to meet at Annette Wayside Park in, ja in the Jaffrey area. While, you know, on the way to the park, Armando continues beating Brittany in the face, in the nose, abusing her while, you know, she's bleeding everywhere, bleeding on the seatbelt of his car, everything, you know, because it's a violent fucking assault. Okay. She further claims Armando pulls out his gun and places it, places her hand on the gun and, you know, after... And actually, after Jonathan gets there, she he ordered her to shoot him. Mm. So, you know, sorry, let me go back. Because when Jonathan is, uh, arrives, mm -hmm. you know, Armando and Brittany were basically already there. They mm -hmm. And Armando ambushed Jonathan. Okay, yeah. You know, he attacks Jonathan. He beats him, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. He pulls out his gun and tries to get Brittany... To get to shoot uh, Jonathan, so okay. she put he puts the gun in her hand, Ooh. tries to make her pull the trigger. She refuses to do it. She refuses. So Armando realizing, you know, she's not going to do it um, either. She he ordered Jonathan basically to get in the back of his own SUV at the at gunpoint. So while he's in the back. Um, Brittany claims that Armando then ordered her to cut his wrists, actually, with a small blade that he attached from his machete. Mm. So, Brittany actually complied to that and made the cuts in his wrists as instructed. After cutting his wrists, they both actually get into Jonathan's car. Brittany and, and Armando, they both get into Jonathan's car. Brittany was in the driver's seat, Armando in the passenger seat. When she claims she heard Armando just turn around and fire three gunshots. Brittany claimed Armando then tells her, quote, he shot Jonathan three times, twice in the chest and once in the head. The first two rounds being a nine millimeter round and the last one being a 45 caliber round which caught him by because he did not know there was a 45 caliber round in it. Unquote. She actually called the gun uh, a judge gun because it could, uh, it, I'm sorry, it was capable of basically firing multiple size rounds. That's it weird. could shoot different bullets. bullets. That's kind of cool, kind of weird. I mean, because you, you could throw off a police said mm. think it was two different guns right. and it was only one so after murdering Jonathan basically Armando allegedly um, ordered Brittany to drive home and start packing for a camping trip after packing Armando makes Brittany drive Jonathan's SUV with Jonathan's body in it people Ugh. they go to Arrow mm. To a campsite they visited, you know, often, which I googled. I googled this, and it said it was 194 miles away. So three. So literally, it said Google said three hours and 43 minutes to four hours and four minutes of a drive. Damn, so far. So she's driving Jonathan's car. Armando's in his car. Right. Okay. They're driving separate for three. To four, four hours. hours. Wow. Three and a half to four hours away. For what? Was there? Well, we're not. We're not going to get to. We're not going to that yet. But just keep in mind, Ugh. they're driving this 
in separate cars. Okay, which, it's her story. This is why I'm explaining it like this, because mm-hmm. that's an awful fucking long time to be separate. Like I'm, I'm thinking in four hours. Uh, okay, enough's uh, okay, enough's enough. You know, I need to fucking figure out a way out of this and go to the police or something. Right. Like there's no fucking way. I'm just gonna keep driving for four hours. No, no, no. Not with a body in the car. Like, what if you'd have got pulled over or anything? It's crazy. So I mean, I mean, I guess you know you can go to saying she was scared. But, I mean, I don't know. Like you said, four hours just sitting on that. Four hours. So, once they reach Errol, um, they make a stop to a general store where Armando makes a few suspect purchases. This fuckwad buys two tarps, lighter fluid, a container of scrubbing bubbles cleaner, and a shovel. Which he purchased all with Britney's money. Oh, that makes sense. Since, you know, he didn't bring his own money. I mean, but why would you to a murder? He's yeah. trying to make it seem like he's not part of it, is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, I he's mean, setting it up. It he's, out. he's setting, yeah. The way she's saying, he's, he's basically setting it up to make her look like she's the fall guy. But let's not forget that statement that she That made. she's the one making the statement. No, but I'm saying her statement, like, you know, back when, you know, she was first, you know, what did she say to them? She was basically just like, oh, no, I'm, I'm in trouble. trouble. Like, I'm in big trouble. You think? Like, is just because she had, was involved in all this and she just was like, oh, hell, I should have done something at this point. Or was it because she... She she knew, or because she did it. She did it. Or she it knew all together. Yeah. yeah, right. And this is a big, but this mm-hmm. is a big extravagant story to just be making up. Yeah, and if she, and I want to make. And she's I got wonder, pretty good details of like he like I said his wrists were cut. And so what, was she like like badly? He was shot three times. Was she badly like? Did she look bad? She said her eyes look bad. The pictures and, will be posted, and you can Google oh, right wow. now. Wow, it was terrible. Okay. Okay. It was terrible. It's like, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there. I don't know who did it, who did what. I've seen shit like that be self-inflicted. I can't say. Motherfuckers are crazy. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. For me, yeah, for your life, so you could get a story to sound right, you know, if you killed... I, I don't know. Continue. I'm sorry. I just keep thinking about that statement she made, and I'm like, okay, but why would you say it like that? Right. She took, like, some ownership of it. Right, right. She did, I feel like. But, you know, they make, you know, I'm sorry, they make it into the woods and go actually make a campsite. At some point, Brittany claims Armando told her, quote, that once the sun came up, he would forgive her. Okay. So, like, he really is just going to beat your ass and kill your boyfriend and... After the sun comes up, he doesn't care anymore. He forgives you. Okay, crazy. Which is, like, why the fuck would you believe that or even want to be forgiven after that? Like, I... I don't even want to see you. I don't either. Clearly, this relationship was not fucking a good relationship. We shouldn't be together. Um, Because y'all were having a... She was having an affair in the first place, in my opinion. Why the fuck would you even want him to be like, it's okay now? Right. No, thank you. Like, I guess murder is supposed to bring them closer, but I... You don't see that. Fucking sick. <laughs> right, I, I don't see know. it. After driving Jonathan's vehicle, though, um, across the stream, Armando ordered Brittany to basically cut Jonathan's head off and Ooh. actually attempt to hide it, uh, his identity, because, you know, they said if, like, they can't find his head, I guess his fingerprints aren't shit. They're stupid. But... While basically, uh, Brittany, while Brittany was sawing and cutting his head off, Armando was digging a grave to bury Jonathan's head. His head was wrapped, actually, and put into the grave, then covered with dirt. Brittany claimed Armando ordered her to wrap Jonathan's body in the tarp and start digging a grave for his body. So she complied and wrapped Jonathan's body in one of the tarps. 
and pulled it from the Subaru and dragged his body over to a small brook where it was later discovered. So she didn't obviously f finish digging his grave. Mm. While this, you know, while doing this, Brittany claimed Armando went to buy another shovel to dig and buy some groceries. Because I guess he had planned on leaving her fucking out there mm -hmm. for an extended period of time. On Monday, Armando told Brittany that he was going to actually drive into town, into a town, Keene, uh, to send text messages from Jonathan's phone to make it seem like um, everything was okay and send his his family messages, which takes this to a different level for me. Like, I I can't even believe, you know, she she's even at, in fear for her life at this point, honestly, because... It's been fucking days. He's left you alone. You have a whole vehicle you could drive away. You have a phone. You have a... Sorry, I haven't even got to that point. But like we said, she was caught by officers alone with a gun in her pouch. Yeah, but like you said... She had the gun. She could have shot Armando. Yeah, and that's true. And not only just that, but I mean like... Yeah, like she was so severely beaten. But that could have been from anything. Like maybe there was a struggle. I like, said that. You know, with Jonathan, there could have been anything. Anything. It's like, yeah, you could like feel sorry for her and like think that maybe that's... Well, I'm not saying taking it away because these pictures are awful. And like if that really did happen he did that that's awful but at the same time it's like like you said it could have been from anything she could have fallen chasing something like you don't know exactly so while he um was in Keene, while armando was in Keene, mm -hmm. you know about to start sending these text messages he received a call from his mom Ugh. saying that police were looking for Brittany. so that like pinged like ding, okay well so when he returned uh, Armando ordered Brittany to go with him to an area that had cell service and while driving Armando pulls over to just smash Jonathan's phone on a rock and gives the pieces to Brittany so they continue driving Armando tells Brittany to throw the pieces out the window and she threw the pieces out the window as he, as he told her when they get to the area with the cell service he tells her to send some text messages from your phone and tell people you know you're okay and that you're leaving for a while to clear your head after armando drove Brittany back to the campsite and tells her he has to go back to the house and that she better have jonathan's body disposed of by the time he gets back on friday mm. so he had planned on leaving her out there from monday to friday he then gives Brittany the 9mm pistol and tells her the judge gun that she shot that he shot Jonathan with mm -hmm. allegedly is in the backpack at the campsite and to use it for protection from wildlife. Ugh. So you're just gonna leave her out your wife out there like okay for a week. Good luck. What with a tin. And did and you get like, her food? Because I didn't hear you brought food literally. back. I heard you went to get food but did you bring it back? And literally it was like a tent. It wasn't like she had like a camper a or something. It was like a tent. So while police are processing the scene they discover the backpack which contained the Taurus judge gun. Inside the gun was two live rounds and two spent 45 caliber rounds. No sorry. Two spent 9 millimeter rounds and a 45 caliber round. Police also found at the campsite a white trash bag which had bloody clothes in of both Armando and Brittany. They also found on the scene a red poncho covering a saw, a machete, a hacksaw, and a small knife, all of which had visible bloodstains on them. Brittany also led police to where Jonathan's cell phone was thrown out the window and the broken pieces were quickly recovered from the rural area that had literally no other fucking trash out there in sight. <laughs> wow. They like, were like, okay, well, here, here Just throw it in are. plain sight. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm skeeved out, though, like, to, just to think of everything that they actually did to his body. Like, 
It's disgusting. Yeah. So it just and it makes you question like, what? Who did this? Were you guys both involved, or who? One of you involved? And honestly, I mean, that's the thing because it's such a new case. We really can't give you a definite answer. That's why everything I keep telling you is what Brittany said, or allegedly, because this is still open. They have not gotten a a verdict on this. That's crazy. This just happened in September of 2020. Yeah. While being interviewed at the station, investigators could see obvious injuries consistent with being beaten. Um, So that kind of corroborated Brittany's story that she told officers. But these um, injuries, they included, like I said originally, bruising around both her eyes, burst, uh, bursted blood vessels in the whites of her eyes, marks around her neck that were consistent with with the strangulation attack that she described. She also had a bruised nose and a chipped tooth, which was treated for later at a nearby hospital. Those are some fucked up injuries. Yeah, those are. Those are really fucked up. On September 22nd, 2020, while Brittany was in the county jail, Officers reached Armando over the phone. The conversation was, well, to say the least strange. The officer told Armando that he was working with the Jaffrey Police Department to investigate his wife's disappearance, wink, wink. When asked if Armando could come into the station to speak with investigators, he said that he did not want to. He became defensive and told police, quote, he had been fired from many jobs before for not showing up and no one came looking for him like they were doing Brittany. Mm. The officers explained, you like know. this isn't your wife. Okay. Right? Like. Like this is your wife, but that's fine. Because at this point, that's... technically he thinks she's missing. If you're going along with the whole story. Right. She's missing. Yeah. He left her on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? So you would be concerned. A little bit, you would think. You would think. So, the officers basically explained to him how they needed to see Brittany to ensure that she was safe. He told officers he had not seen Brittany since Monday around 5 p.m. And he also told officers he could not come into the station because he was going camping with his nine-year-old daughter to explain the impending divorce with her mom, Brittany, which is really fucked up. So he was literally going. gone with his daughter Ugh. after all of this, Ugh. putting his nine-year-old in danger, basically, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, wow. And then talking about him, you know, divorcing them like this. The officers offered to even meet Armando halfway to talk with him. And he said no because he didn't want his daughter to see him talking to police. But our guest Armando, you know, they wear him down. He eventually agrees to drive to the police station and tells the investigator that it would take him about two hours to get there. Armando never fucking showed. Then, you know, obviously they were like, let's. Let's fucking find him. So they began to track his phone and watch his movements and locate his vehicle. Uh, in in a Millpore Sigma employee parking lot. So just in a parking lot of an employee parking lot. Where officers go to the Jeep Patriot and discover mud coating the wheels and tires. Police also find fingerprints and mud actually on the car also uh, on the outside of the car police could see a dark red brown stain consistent with the appearance of blood Um, and actually on the interior of the driver's door and the rear passenger seat yeah okay just proving what we already think right officers obtain a warrant for the abuse to Brittany and went to their home The home was technically two addresses that they shared a kitchen uh, with 
Armando's mother. Like, Armando's mother lived in the other portion of the house. They shared a kitchen in between. Uh, When they arrived at the home, you know, they found actually a pair of blue shoes matching the description Brittany said Armando was wearing during the crime outside on the porch. Mm. Armando's mother, you know, was at home when the police came and police were advised, you know, that the other vehicle belonging to Armando's mother's boyfriend was not at the residence. So they put a bolo, like a be on the lookout, mm-hmm. for the gold 2008 Toyota Tundra, along with um, the path that Armando's device was located. Yeah. While, um, while actually on the phone with the trooper in the area, he literally sees the gold Tundra just driving on past. What? So the vehicle's obviously pursued, and he confirmed um, and matched actually the plates and stopped the car. The officer approached the vehicle and found Armando, and he had his nine-year-old daughter actually with him in the passenger seat. Mm. Armando was placed under arrest for the assault of Brittany Barron, his wife. Mm -hmm. When he was taken to the station, Armando asked police if they talked to Brittany, likely probably to find out what they knew you know, about about the murder, like what they knew. What do you know so far? Right. Armando was read his Miranda rights, and he invoked his right to counsel, so he basically not said anything. While in custody, he is ordered to a body search where they discover um, he had, Armando had scratches, dried blood on his, on the right forearm and the back of his left leg, but nothing on his clothes. So, so like, did you not bathe? So or? to recap, this sick fuck has not showered in several days, but changed his clothes. Like, ew, sir. Like, bathe. You still have blood on you from days, days ago. ago. And, like, I mean, I already... Are you trying to get away with this? <laughs> not only that, but, like, ew. Ugh. <laughs> you didn't even wash yourself off after you murdered and Ugh. tried to bury somebody. Oh, my God. You're sick. That's he sick. looks like he sinks. But anyways, go ahead. When officers searched Armando's Toyota Tundra, uh, they found, you know, loose sandy soil. They also found three bags of quick drying cement, two 40-pound bags of topsoil and a shovel, and a large five-foot metal frame and a blue tarp. On September 23rd, Armando and Brittany's nine-year-old daughter was interviewed. During the interview, she was asked, it, you know, what she observed the night of the 19th between her and her parent. I'm sorry, between her parents. She said at one point, she heard them arguing in the bathroom, but she did not know or witness, you know, anything between the parents because the grandma, Armando's mother, Marlena, I'm sorry, Mary Lena, I think I might have been calling her Marlena the whole time. Anyway, she's a kind of an accomplice. I feel like she needs to be, too. Mm. But moving on, Mary Lena came and actually moved into uh, moved their daughter into the other side of the home. So she wasn't witnessing the assault, I guess. Mm-hmm. Investigators also located and recovered items that belonged to Jonathan. Uh, Brittany told them that Armando burned several items. From Jonathan's vehicle, including the car manual, Jonathan's credit cards, a garage door opener, and Jonathan's ID. Brittany also told police Armando later told her to reburn the items because they clearly didn't burn all the way. Mm-hmm. Also, on the twenty third, Brittany showed police the location, like. Uh, the location where Armando attacked Jonathan and shot him. The area was identified as a path inside the Yannette Wayside Park that lies in the town of Ringe, New Hampshire. Police locate a part of the park with the ground disturbed, an indication of a struggle, and blood spots. Mm. So police took samples of the blood and some was tested on site to verify it was, in fact, blood. Um, and it came back as Jonathan's blood. Mm-hmm. The autopsy um, was performed on September 24th by 
the chief medical examiner, Dr. Jenny V. Duvall. She noted several injuries, including bruises to the inside of Jonathan's mouth, face, and what looked like a shoe impression on the right side of his face. She concluded that the cause of Jonathan's death was gunshots, uh, I'm sorry, a gunshot wound to the head, and the manner of death was clearly a homicide. Mm -hmm. Police charge Armando for capital murder during the process of a kidnapping for knowingly causing the death of Jonathan Armorault by shooting him while attempting to confine him with a purpose to torturize him or commit a crime against him. Mm. Can you say that ten times fast? No. Based on the information provided, Brittany was arrested and charged for falsifying physical evidence, destroying and concealing evidence with the purpose to impair an investigation by wrapping his body in a tarp and dragging it to another location. Mm. Both Armando and Brittany pleaded not guilty. Like, I don't know why she would do that after telling that whole story, but... Like, okay. You, remember, you, you know they say you, that they have the right to hold this against you, right? But, okay. I guess not, like... I don't know. That's one of your Miranda rights. I mean, if the shit really happened, though, I mean, at least she was being honest. At least they, they got the information, I guess. Well, they would have never known. I mean, I guess she just... I don't know. Mmm. Like I said, they both pleaded not guilty. Both were held, though, with no bond in the Cheshire... Can you say that? Cheshire? Cheshire. Like the Cheshire cat. Mm-hmm. County court. Since um, this is so new, like I stated originally, there have not been any convictions of anything yet. Armando actually requested, though, a probable cause hearing claiming Brittany was not telling the truth about the murder, which was denied he is facing life in prison for capital murder charges that's like one of the worst charges you can get isn't it for sure in some states that's death Brittany's lawyer um and attorney the attorney general's office were in talks of a plea deal and she may be receiving an offer soon but with covid you know it's caused multiple delays in her case and she is uh being held still without bond like she should be. Her charges in New Hampshire are a Class B felony punishable from three to three and a half to seven years, which I honestly three and a half to seven. I like I said, I honestly don't feel like that's enough time because she, the simple fact. I mean, she did. You had so many opportunities. She, she, she did have opportunities to get away. She had opportunities to alert police. She had opportunities to even do something. Take it out on Armando. Yeah, and, flip it and and run and and you know why? I don't believe your story. I mean, I know that that fear does play a part in it, but at the same time, you have to look at. I mean, you you cared about this man, Jonathan, supposedly. You care about yourself and your daughter. Like, at the end of the day, I'm going to try to get this shit before it escalates. Before it gets there. Right. Right. I'm with you. Because, like, in my opinion, I believe Brittany acted under duress. Clearly. Yeah. Because if you look at those pictures, you go to to the Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want to look at them. If you want to Google them yourself. Yeah, I just googled them and like it, they're they're absolutely awful. I mean, her eye. I mean, it, she looks bad. But like I said, could this have been a struggle? With, you know, she had multiple times when she could have just like I said, stopped. They were she driving separate cars. She could have stopped and alerted police. She she did not say anything to police. She until she um, was found in the woods with. Hella fucking evidence, you know. And like not even like she was looking for anybody. Like they no, found her. They found her, like, and she she had hella evidence. Obviously, you're in big trouble. What do you mean? Yes. So, but like I said, I also believe Armando was setting things up originally, like I told you earlier, to make it look like Brittany killed Jonathan, because you know he was using her debit cards to make those purchases making it look like she was participating in certain acts uh like trying to you know 
make her use the gun. But that's what makes me question, like, was he making her do this? Or did she, she start going along this? with it? Is she just saying, like, it just, it makes you really question. Like, was it her? I mean, it was her car. I mean, could it have just been her all along? Right. I agree. But I honestly, I think it was Armando. I think it was, I think it was his plan to, you know, beat her and most likely say Jonathan did the beating. So she must have killed Jonathan for beating her. Yeah. Is what I'm thinking. Because, you know, I'm thinking he's probably trying to get out of both situations. Kill him and fuck you over. Yeah. By making you have to go to prison and him just staying out of it altogether. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just me looking at it from my point of view. But, like I said, you know, I believe... You know, the evidence against Armando is mainly, you know, just Britney's statements. But he had blood on him. So, I mean, they did find his bloody clothes in the trash bag that had not been burned yet. Um, but I would say Britney was not exactly a willing participant because, you know, she was afraid that he was going to beat her and probably kill her too. Honestly, I mean, but after... At, I would say at one point, like I said, uh, she had to be like, well, I could probably call or drive to a police station right now and be safe from Armando. And she never fucking did that. So, you know, I, That's like I said, she's, she's, very, she's very fucking guilty and also mm -hmm. needs to be in prison. Yeah. Because you had opportunities and chances whether you want to say you did or didn't, you did. You had a four hour fucking drive to stop or go to uh, fucking pull off and do something. You try. know? Try. Just try. Do something. I mean, at this point, it's like you're that, like, you you know you're, I mean, was she that petrified that she, that she thought she was going to get in trouble? Like, come on. Right. And honestly, and... Before if, this all happened, like, before it escalated like this, it would not have been this bad. Right. You involved yourself in this hot-ass mess, like, at a, at a certain point. You're right. And I feel like, honestly... Uh, if if Britney's telling truthful facts, factual statements here, you know, and she's not lying, Armando's a sick fucking bastard, bro. Yeah. And, I mean, I keep going back to, like, you know, it, it's honestly, it's not that deep. Like, I have seen, you know, reports where he was cheating on her in the marriage. So, I mean, the marriage was bad. Why? I mean, like, why can't you just leave each like just, leave each other? Just then? fucking leave. Because like, obviously, neither one of you are. And, happy, I, and so. it couldn't have been too much of a shock if you're fucking around that she is too. She probably is too. Yeah. And he obviously knew something was up because he went through her fucking phone in the first place and if, to I mean, find the text messages. If you had that suspicion anyway, but my my only thing is though, c come on, the, he's got to be involved. She's got to be involved. I can't with the bullshit. I can't either. I that's why I said it's it three, both of them? three and a half to seven years is not enough time for Brittany. She definitely needs longer time sentence than that. I wouldn't maybe say a life sentence because no, she but. was beat to the point where maybe she wasn't thinking rationally, but you were thinking at one point you had a, t a chance to escape. I don't care who you are, how you know. Unless you really weren't scared because it was your husband and you Thank just you. were going along with it. Thank you. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like she was, she was really scared. I, I, I'm not saying that he didn't beat her or whatever, but I'd like to look back on it and see if we could. I, I want to see if I can find any like domestic shit because if I can't see anything like real, it, it could be a one-off, like you said. But I mean, I don't know because that she never, like I said, she though. never fucking reported him. Him so being why would she? Before. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And she w didn't even do this situation. They came out there, so I don't. I, I just I don't know. But please, people, let's be fucking rational about things. If you find out your sp spouse is ever fucking stepping out on your marriage, please, 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 don't do anything this fucking heinous. Take time before any confrontations and get help from friends, family, or therapists. If you know, or you may be someone, male, female, a victim of domestic violence, please get help. You can always call 
799 So, um, domestic violence again. If you need that number, it's 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can live chat at thehotline.org anytime. But yeah, thanks again. Um, this is a comic crime podcast hosted by husband and wife duo, Justin and Katie Daniels. This is a true crime podcast that has our spin on cases and the suspects. We're saying everything in respect of the victims and their family. This is our lighthearted way of bringing you the case with as much accuracy as we could put in research. You can hit us up with case suggestions. Just make sure that you um, put add the, the case suggestion in that subject line. Um, but yeah, we've already gotten some of the case suggestions. We yeah. Definitely started to add those onto our queue and researching those. We'll They've get them crazy. soon. Yeah, definitely. The Gmail, it's going to be killersallaroundus at gmail.com. The Facebook, it's Facebook Killers All Around Us at True Crime Podcast. And Twitter, it's uh, at Around Killers, Killers All Around Us. Instagram, it's at killers all around us. Yeah, so that was a good case, and we'll we'll keep it, keep it going, guys. We'll see you next time, okay? Later. Bye. Later, fellow crime junkies.